are you, church? Oh, what a blessing, what an honour, what a privilege it is to be up here. I do love to talk, for those who know me, uh, but when you come in and preach the word, it's a whole nother ball game, all right? David, what was the, what was the uh, quote you said to me? There's much gold. There's much gold on the floor of a pastor's study, office, underneath the desk, wherever thou pastor may sit and do thou stuff. Because once you open up the book, it's very different when you're just reading than when you're actually going to teach it. And you find there's just so much gold, one chapter, so much gold. So if you're looking for gold, get to the pastor's office, not literally. All right. So I'm going to start a bit better than I started the last one. I feel like it's only fair that I should give you the same sort of entry that I gave the last one. Is that cool? All right, but this one's going to be better. Ready? Hit me, God, just one more time. For those of you who noticed the uh, scripture on the back of the shirt, Psalm 91, my brother Big Pete uh, dropped it off at the front of my house. And Psalm 91, for those who don't know, says this, For he who dwells in the shelter of the Lord will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So think about this. This is massive for this scripture because you can see all throughout this book that that is where they dwell, in the shelter of the Lord. That is where they dwell. So church, the question is, where do we dwell? Right, so for those of you who don't know, and you haven't read this verse, I want you to know, this verse is on fire. It literally, it literally is on fire. Literally, through the fire. So we love the product of fire, don't we? So warm in that. But do we always love the process of fire? Do we always love the process? Not so much. You see, everybody wants to get fit. You're already laughing, right? Because you know, not everybody wants to put in the work to get fit. Everybody wants to get healthy. But we all love chocolate cake and ice cream. Sometimes both at the same time. Is that just me? Hey, there's a few of you. Yeah. Put their hand high. Don't be ashamed. We're Christians. We don't judge. All right. Well, we shouldn't judge. All right. Uh, everybody wants to be strong. But when it gets to the gym, who goes there? And plus, I'm going to pay out a few, not a few people because I love you. But there's been guys who have turned up to the house of prayer and pain a couple of times, gone hard, and then we've never seen them again. <laughs> Some of them may be in this crowd. I'm not going to name names. Okay, so we always love what God wants for us, but we don't always love the way He gives it to us. Yeah? Benny, my man, we always want what he does for us. We always want what he gives to us, but we don't always love the process. But who are we to ask why? Who are we to question how he does it? He is God. We are not. So for those of you who don't know me, I'd like to tell you, I used to be a Muslim. I call it a practicing Muslim because I was never very good at it. Yeah, uh, uh, actually, me and my Muzo brothers, uh, Muzo is slang for Muslim, by the way. Me and my Muzo brothers, we used to be called, well, I used to call us the no pork Muslim. What that meant was we would go out and party, we would drink, we would smoke, we would carry on, but we would not touch pork. Yeah, okay, for those of you watching, that's right. You would get, <laughs> I'm not even joking, you would get shot down harder for eating pizza with a pepperoni on it than you would for getting drunk. It's crazy. But that's the life we were living, right? We, man. So before I was radically saved, and I was radically saved, like it was crazy, um, but through prayer from my wife, big preps, right? So good. She just kept going. Uh, God showed up a few times. And like Peter, I rejected it. I was like, nah, that doesn't count. Nah, that doesn't count. Nah, that doesn't count. But even more so, like Nebuchadnezzar, God knows the heart and man, uh, mind of every man and woman. 
He knows exactly what you need when you need it. And he will show you that. And like Nebuchadnezzar, I rejected and sometimes forgot the amazing things he showed me. Like you'll see in this chapter. He came in dreams, he gave him signs, and he rejected them. Until one day, he put a book right in front of me in my path called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And it blew my mind. And it was like God was speaking directly to me. And that I could not reject. I had to accept. And the moment I accepted him in my life, I kid you not, he took this stronghold from me that had been holding me for 10 plus years. <laughs> oh. Now when he took it and I accepted him in my life, then life was perfect, right? <laughs> oh, it wasn't. <laughs> I thought that's what happens. Jesus, hey, everything's good, like rainbows and lollipops. But it wasn't. Actually, in the next three to six months, what he did, he tested my faith immensely. He tested it, just like the fire we're going to see. He tested it. And through much deliberation, by the way, for all you note takers, you all takers, note takers, journals, bring your phones out. Through much deliberation with God and my wife, I have cut down three titles to one today. I was going to have three titles for you because that's what was going at me. So we got one title and the title of today's sermon is Faith Through the Fire. Not faith around the fire, faith through the fire. So what did he do? Now, he tested my faith immensely over six months, let alone what these guys are seeing in 20 years. 20 years. Can you imagine how refined you get over 20 years of facing stuff like this every day? In three to six months, would I have chosen the way he tested me? No. Would I have chosen to get hit and run on a bicycle and break my scaffold? My scaffold, this part of the hand, by the way. Um, no. Would I have chosen to uh, lose my job, my license, and get my car impounded all within two weeks? No, and Simon from the first service, he's left, but he was taking notes. He is a police officer. So he's like, all right, yep, I'll take that, right? I wouldn't have chosen that. Would I have chosen for one of my good friends from high school to take his own life? I would not have chosen that. Would I have chosen just two months later for my best friend to lose his life in a very similar tragic circumstance? No, I would not have chosen that. And the day, the moment that I got that phone call, I had actually turned up to Edge Church. We turned up and I got the call saying that he's no longer with us. And I couldn't stop the tears. And I went into church. The old me would have, gone, would have left. The old me would have gone. Would have gone to old ways of dealing with this. Old habits. Old vices. The new me went inside. The new me went to praise and worship him anyway. <laughs> Lift my hands up and I was crying and crying and crying. And a lady saw me, didn't even know me. She came to me after worship. She said, I see you worship. I see your pain. God is going to get you through this. She didn't say God would take you around this. She said God's going to get you through this. So that's a word for you, church. When you have a word of encouragement for somebody that God puts on your heart, don't keep it to yourself. Go and tell them. You don't know what it does for that person. You don't know that five years later, that person will be standing in church preaching to the church, which I never thought I would do, by the way. I thought when God saved me, I'd be preaching to the lost. But God gave me a word at the start of this year. He said, Sam, the saved are not safe. I did not know what that meant. And then two weeks later, Dave came up to me and said, Sam, you want to preach? Uh, okay. Mind you, uh, Brian, my brother Brian, he, he actually planted the seed when I preached at Awaken. For those of you who don't know Awaken, it's a little thing we run on a Saturday morning, 6 a.m. here. We pray together, we get around the Word together, we train together, and we breakfast together. And it's brilliant. If you haven't been, come join us. We'd love to have you. And I preached Daniel 3 then, but it was more conversation. I thought, no, I'm not ready to do that. And Brian said, well, hey, if you're going to do Daniel, get Sam up. And guess what book they did? Daniel. And here we are. 
And that word that lady gave me five years ago, look where it is today. See God, he's like up here like this, tapestry man, right? Finger puppets like that. He brings everything back. And who are we to even know how or why? We're like a speck of sand on the beach asking the wave, why are you getting me wet, bro? I don't want to get wet, bro. What that sand doesn't realize, oh, that's a good one, another download. I just got one. I've been telling God, not many people would tell God, please, God, stop downloading. My hard drive is full. That's what I said over this weekend. He just gave me another one. What you don't realize is when the sand gets wet, it's able to stay closer together. Ooh, Zion. That was good. That was good. (laughs) Oh, that was good. So he carries us through the storm to strengthen our faith. He never takes us around it. He carries us through the storm. Oh, and he gives us wonders and signs to stand firm in our faith so we can lean on his strength. When we stumble, we stumble toward him. When we fall, we need to fall to our knees. And the more we come to him, the more we see him, the more we seek him, the more we know him. And when we know him, then we will never compromise. Six months later, I was wanting to get baptized. By the way, I love how God gives you signs. And God gives you signs the way you want signs and the way you need signs. He doesn't give you the same signs he gives me because he knows I'm crazy. I need some crazy signs. Straight up truth. Okay, ask my wife. She goes, how do you always get that? Right? I was getting baptized. I was like, yep, I'm like the eunuch man, baptize me in that puddle. They said, whoa, whoa, relax. We're going to do this formally. You're going to go to a baptism course and learn and have a look. And cool, 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 patient, patient. Six months later, the Sunday before I was going to get baptized, I started freaking out, man. I was like, oh my gosh, I've invited my family. What am I doing? I'm giving my life to Jesus in front of everybody. It was okay when I was in the closet. And <laughs> the Christian closet, you know, just at home on a Sunday, safe with my, yeah, praise. Like, people go, are you the, hey, bro, are you like happy clappy? That's what they say. Do you go to like a happy clappy church? And I'm like, I think so. I think I'm that guy now. Oh, my gosh, right? So I started freaking out, man. I'm like, what am I doing getting baptized? All right, God. All right, God, I need a sign by Wednesday, God. I need you to show me a sign by Wednesday that I need to get baptized. And I don't want a little sign. I want a big sign like, Sam, you must be baptized, like that. You know what I mean? Wednesday, come and go, no sign, nothing, nada, zero. Friday afternoon, I took my car to work that day. I didn't catch the bus. I was catching the bus at that time. And for some reason, I took the car and I was driving home. For those of you who don't know, Paynham Road and OG Road. It's in the northeast suburbs, right? There's this slip lane. It goes for about 40 meters. Nobody knows how to use it. (laughs) They're the worst drivers. Anyway, so like they stay there. I'm like, dude, you got 40 meters. What are you doing? So I am such a kind man. I already know that this is happening. So being the person I am, I give him a flash like, go, mate, go. <laughs> Jumps in front of me. Two things catch my attention. Number one, it is a Holden Chimera. Only, see how only the old people go, wow. <laughs> the new people go, does he mean Commodore? I, I, a Chimera? Yes, there was a car once called a Chimera. I had not seen the car in about 20 years before that moment. The second thing was Tasmanian number plates. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, Tasmania. Yeah, we got jokes for Tasmania. Yes, we do. And the third thing was on the back window of this car was a sign. And what I mean, a sticker. And what I mean by a sticker, I don't mean like a little sticker. I mean this sticker took up the whole back window, hand on my heart and on the Bible. We'll go that way, okay? It said this, Mark 16, 16. For he who is baptized, oh wait, I just forgot it. (laughs) For he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. I was like, come on. I was chasing this guy down the road like, hey, I want a photo. And he's looking at me weird. He's like trying to get away from me. (laughs) Oh, pull over, bro, pull over. He's like, no way, mate. (laughs) I swear I don't want to fight you. 
All right. That's the old me. He's dead. All right. So God shows you the signs you need exactly when you need them. Not before, not after. We need to rely on Him in His strength, not in ours. See, He who has the experience of faith in God need not worry about the argument about their faith in God. He who has the experience of faith in God need not worry about the arguments about their faith in God. You can't argue with me because it happened to me. Even if, even if I didn't have this, the living word, the living word, he gave it to me personally. And that's what he wants for each and every one of you when we lean in. When we're at our weakest, he is strong. Did you hear that? When we're at our weakest, he is strong. Yeah, that's it. All right. So God had, we've got a Nebuchadnezzar now, right? So at this time, chapter three, by the way, if that's where we're at, we're at chapter three. They're now trusted servants in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, okay? He's known them for 20 years. They're very trusted. He's given them lots of uh, responsibility and power. And Nebuchadnezzar seems to have lost touch with what has just happened in chapter two. If you haven't read chapter two, um, listen to Dave's sermon last week. It was phenomenal. And basically, God gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream and in such detail about what was to happen over the next coming, not years, hundreds of years. Not only did he give him this dream in so, so much detail, but then he gave Daniel the dream and the interpretation of the dream to tell Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was and what it meant. How many of you have had a dream and you can't even remember what it was by the time you wake up? Now God's given Daniel the dream to tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream and tell him what it means. If somebody came up to you right now and did that to you about your dream last night, would you ever forget that? Never, ever, ever. Yet we see here about 15 years later, Nebuchadnezzar has forgotten. And now he's trying to build his kingdom instead of God's. So this chapter alone should blow people's minds, right? His empire was the golden head of the statue. This was in so much detail that scholars later couldn't believe that it was written before the facts. Because it was in so much detail. They said, no, nah, that can't be. It has to have been written later. But all this other evidence shows us that it couldn't have been written later. This is how amazing this is. So we're basically seeing Nebuchadnezzar rebel against the idea of his empire being replaced by another. He was like, I don't think so, mate. Not any other king or kingdom, and certainly not Daniel's God's kingdom, is going to replace mine. He thinks he is it. Or as my homeboy Snoop Dogg says, the shiznit. <laughs> Just for my rappers out there, yeah. Okay, so let's get started. Chapter three begins. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide. For all those people that don't know the oldest English, it is 27 meters high and four meters wide. That's like a pool standing up vertically. A 27-meter pool standing up vertically. Just in case, well, my pool's not 27 meters. No, a 27-meter pool standing up that tall. That's how big he built this golden statue of himself. <laughs> now, he's on the plains of Dura. The plains, flat, sand, sun, hot Arab weather. They didn't have Ray-Bans back then, people. I guarantee people that we don't talk about it, but people would have been blinded by the gold coming to shine off that gold. They would have seen that for days. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all other provincial officials. Not just to come and see, but to worship. To come and dedicate the image that he had set up and stand before it. Then he, then, he herald, then, he, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship. 
Music has a big part of this, and we're going to talk about this later. You're going to be very careful with the music that we listen to and what we're worshipping whilst we listen to the music. Okay? Nebuchadnezzar, oh yeah, sorry. He then says, if you do not bow down and worship, you will be immediately thrown into the fire, into the burning furnace. Nebuchadnezzar is coming as a counterfeit God. He is creating a counterfeit kingdom and he is calling for counterfeit worship. I know Pastor Dave loves the C's. He loves when everything has the same letter. I'm going to tell you that again for the note takers. He is coming as a counterfeit God. He is creating a counterfeit kingdom and he is calling for counterfeit worship. He wanted everybody to be in awe of his glory instead of God's. And not just in awe, not just to be in awe, but to bow in awe. Now let's be real, without judgment, how many of you would have stayed standing when he told you to bow down or be thrown in the fire? Raise your hands if you. Yeah, my man, little man, what's your name, brother? Melon. I'm standing with you, son. Hey, we're not afraid of the fire when we have the Almighty God, right? Oh, I think so, Sam. Uh, I know it is pretty hot there. Actually, Sam, I think he turned it seven times hotter than normal. Oh, what is that word for us, church? What are we preparing ourselves for, church? He's not taking us around. He's taking us through. You see? We are not seeking the suffering on purpose. But if it's God's will, we should be willing to accept it. Willing. In the shepherd house of prayer and pain, as shepherd's gym, by the way, it's not called the shepherd's house of prayer and comfort. Do you know why? Because you cannot grow and stay comfortable at the same time. No pain. No pain. No gain. So why isn't it the same in our walk with Jesus? Why isn't it the same in our Christian faith? Oh, yes, I'm brave on a Sunday. Huh? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> I wear this T-shirt everywhere I can. I'm actually going to get another couple of, of uh, Big Pete so I can wear them every day. And they smell good, you know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> Are we too comfortable in our Christian bubble? Especially in our Christian bubble in the Adelaide Hills. No, you didn't, Sam. There is a world beyond the hills, do you know? Yes. A world that needs Jesus. Don't keep him to yourself, right? God gave me a strong word a few weeks before Dave asked me to preach. And he said, Sam, the saved are not safe. And I had no idea what it meant. I'm telling you, five years ago when I got saved, I was never expecting to preach to the saved. I preached to the unsaved, to, in the streets, to the people that need Jesus. But then I realized, oh, we all need Jesus. And sometimes those who are safe in the church need him even more. So we can be equipped even better to go and make disciples of all nations. Because right now we're not even making disciples of all Balhanna. Yeah, you can clap. Don't feel ashamed. All glory goes to him. It's not to me. Okay? Nebuchadnezzar was trying to build his own kingdom, a counterfeit kingdom. Or how many of us are trying to build our own kingdom? It's easy to point the finger. Oh, look what he's doing. Right. We're building our own kingdom. Look around. I see it everywhere. The more you build, the more you want. The more you want, the more you need. The more you need, the more you want. The more you have, the more you want. There is nothing that will ever satisfy the gaps except God's gap filler. For all my painters in the building, yeah. His kingdom can never be replicated, only be replicated. It can never be duplicated. It can try to be copied, but you're never going to get that. We can try all we want. We see it over and over again. I mean, this guy, he controls the entire area, like modern day Iraq, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon. Like he owns it all. He has it all. He's the Mac Daddy. He's pretty much like the Bezos of Babylon. That was a good one. That, that wasn't me. That was it. The Bezos of Babylon. I should have called it the Bezos of Babylon. There's another title for you note takers. Okay. 
Oh, so I'm like, oh, who's this Bezos he talks about? It's the guy who owns Amazon, right? Ah, yeah. But guess what? He still wants more. He doesn't have enough. He builds a golden statue for you to bow down to. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're in 2021. What's calling you to bow down? What is calling you to bow down? And I'm telling you, I didn't say, is anything calling you to bow down? I said, what? That means something is. You just got to figure out what that is. And then you got to figure out, am I willing to stand up? In verse 9 to 12, we notice the Chaldeans are coming forward and they start accusing the Jews who were present. O king, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed. It's easier to say, there are certain Jews you have appointed. They're trying to have a little go at him. You've got to stand. These Chaldeans, right, they had nothing in chapter 2. They couldn't come up with anything. They were trying their sorcery, their magic. They had nothing. And the king didn't kill them. He said he was going to kill them if they couldn't give him an answer. He didn't kill them. So now 15 years they've been plotting and planning how we're going to get those people back. How are we going to get back on the good side of Nebuchadnezzar? How are we going to get back on Uncle Nebi's good books? Right? Well, here they got their chance. They saw three guys standing. And and historians tell us there's 300,000 people bowing down. That is six or six uh, Amy Stadiums, Adelaide Ovals. And there's three of you like that. What a picture. And they go, hey, those guys you appointed, man, they're not bowing down, man. They're disrespecting you, homie. What you going to do? In common man terms. <laughs> right? They say, they pay no attention to you. And they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar calls them and asks if it's true. Now, this is big. Why? Because he respects them. He's put them in positions of power. And, and there's a bit of pride now. Because he's like, you do not bow down to my... You know they don't, bro. You know they worship the God Almighty who gave you those dreams in chapter 2. Why are you even asking? Okay? Because of pride. You see, he's already forgotten because of pride. The spirit of Babylon leads through power and pride. But God leads through grace and love. One is there to destroy you and bring you down. And one is there to build your relationships and bring you up. If Nebuchadnezzar is the personification of pride then Jesus Christ is that of humility. And if the pride of one man, Adam, was the downfall of humanity, then the humility of one man, Jesus, is our restoration and salvation. You see, they're the opposites, mate. Pride and humility. And you walk around, like that song they were singing at the start, How great thou art, right? In today's world, if they're singing that, it'd be, how great I art. For those of you who don't understand all English, how great I am. Not how great he is. It's about me and I. The selfie, I mean, oh, you just got to scroll some pages. (laughs) You know, the the funniest ones are within, they're puckering up, they think that, uh, not judging, I love you too. Jesus loves you, okay? But... I can see your toilet, bro. And you're trying to be sexy. Your toilet's in the back. Nothing sexy about that. I'm sorry. Okay? <laughs> These guys did not compromise. They did not bow down. Why? Because their spiritual conviction did not allow them to. And when your spiritual conviction is so strong, you will start to get noticed by the enemy. You will start to be on the enemy's radar. But guess where that is not? In your comfort bubble. That's out there. That's what you do. I I don't mean you like, you know, but you know. Sunday. Sunday. Right? What we need to be doing is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right? Now, what are we noticing that is happening today as well? We're noticing when we stand for things, people are a bit, oh, no, maybe not. Oh, I'm going to hurt the feelings. There was a great turnout at that love march. 5,000 people. And I couldn't help but thinking, 
Where's the rest? Where's everyone else? Only 5,000 of us care? Come on, man. Really? So we expect everybody else to stand up for us? And then we'll kick and scream when the rules come that make us bow down? It's not how it works, man. And then I started noticing, where are the other Jews? Because surely there's other believers with these four guys, or the three guys that were standing. What are they doing? They're bound down. They're like bound down next to them, looking up like, hey, guys, just get down, would you? We're going to get in trouble. You're going to get yourselves killed. People aren't going to like you. And they're like, you bow down. I only bow down to God. Nebuchadnezzar is trying to mirror something that Satan does in the life of each and every Christian in our walk of faith. Temptations. There will be many opportunities to compromise our convictions, to say things we shouldn't, to watch things we shouldn't, to do things we shouldn't, to think things we shouldn't, and even to worship things we shouldn't. But what we also find is that the Holy Spirit does His work in our lives and then we'll resist the temptations with His strength and we resist the temptation to compromise through our conviction. Through our conviction. God's Spirit within us is more than equal to every temptation you will ever face. It actually says in the Bible, I'm not sure which passage, I should have put that up, but it says this, I'm not going to put you anywhere where you can't be uh, tested by the temptation enough, like not rely on me enough. I'm never going to put you further than where I think you are ready for. When I first became a Christian, six months in, I was avoiding my mates, I was avoiding the parties, I was avoiding going out. Why? Because I knew I can't just go there, hey guys, have one beer. That's not how I roll. So rather than go there and try to resist the temptation, I just didn't go. God's not saying, hey, just close your eyes and cross the road, bro. I got you. Because then you die and you go, God, I thought you had me, man. What's going on? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, press into me, do what you know, because you know what to do. You just don't always do what you know. Matthew 4, verse 1 says this. It says, Then Jesus, led up by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit led Jesus to be tempted, to be tested as an example for us. Because he knew what Jesus could do. He's not, t- he's not putting you straight up against the devil for 40 days of fasting and then go, hey, you wanna, you want, you'd be like, please, devil, give me some water. I'll do anything. He was like, nah, man, you're tripping. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on the word of God. And he eats the word of God every day, all day. These guys, I guarantee, they're not just in it 10 minutes on a Sunday. They're in it every day. Now, when he says to them, I'll give you a second chance, basically, in in Daniel 3.15, he says, with all the music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then, what God will be able to deliver you or rescue you from my hand? I think you cheeky little bugger, Nebuchadnezzar. What do you mean, what God, son? The same God that gave you that dream. The same God that gave Daniel your dream and gave Daniel the interpretation of that dream, the prophetic word for hundreds of years to come of the kingdoms that would rise and fall. What God? Did you forget, bro? But then I start thinking, well, damn, how many times do we forget? And you know what? It doesn't even take 15 years of being a king because that would be a lot of stuff would be happening in his life, right? You'd be like, you know what, Nebby? I get it. You've been a king 15 years later. Like, you've got a lot of stuff going on, bro. I appreciate that you could forget. But how could we forget? How could we forget? Music here, right, the devil uses to counterfeit the kingdom of God. He uses it to try and replicate the kingdom, but he will never duplicate the kingdom. He uses it because he is a counterfeiter. The enemy, the spirit that we see here is a counterfeiter. And music has a massive influence over your life. Some of you saw me last night. You could see why, right? Just da- as soon as that music, bum, 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 bum. Certain music does certain things to my mind. That's why I stopped listening to certain music. 
very powerful. And you see it here. They're trying to replicate what God does because music is actually used as a gift to worship the true king of heaven. Not all these fake kings. We give these fake kings name. For example, the king of pop, Michael Jackson. The king of rock, Elvis Presley. The king of the court, LeBron James. We are designed to worship, but we're worshiping the wrong people. The only real king is? Come on, you can do better than that. The only real king is? Come on. Sermon one, service one. I think they got you. All right. So in Psalm 150, verse one to five, he talks about praising God in the sanctuary, praising Him in the mighty heavens, praising Him with the music, the sound of the horn, the cymbals, the harp, the lyre, the strings and the, fruit and the flute. But Nebuchadnezzar says, but if you do not worship, then I'll throw you into the blazing furnace. This self-focus is a biography. Kingdom focus is a testimony. And when we look at the world we live in today, which world are we living in? Biography or testimony? Me, 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 self-help, self-help, right? I, 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 autobiography. Hey, check what I did, check what I did, check what I do. When truth has revealed to you, when truth has been revealed to you, everything else is worthless. Everything else. Love is blind, but pride blinds you. And that's what we see here. He's being driven by pride. How often we think to the next thing, Lord, what about the next thing? Lord, what about the next thing? They knew with certainty God was going to deliver them. Because look what they say in the very next verse. Even if, so if the God whom we serve exists, then he is able to deliver us from the uh, from the blazing fiery furnace. But, capital letters, bold, underline, highlight. But, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. They knew with certainty God could deliver them. But even if he didn't, they were still going to praise him anyway. Even if he didn't, they were still going to praise him anyway. Because what God prevents in his power, he permits in his wisdom. Not our wisdom, his wisdom. This is a word for all of us people. Because even if God doesn't get us that job, even if God doesn't get us that house, even if God doesn't give us that child, even if God does not heal me. I praise him anyway. I give him glory anyway. I will not forsake him. I will not bow down to the spirit of Babylon because there is no one and nothing like him. We need to stop telling God what he hasn't done for us yet. We need to stop telling God how big our problem is and start telling our problem how big our God is. Wherever possible, we need to come back to Christ. And like my brother David said, even if we have to go back 2,021 years when he died on the cross. Because if that's where you need to go, then you need to go there. You need to sit there for a moment. Because some of us can't even go back last week what he did for you. Last year what he did for you. Like a wise poet once said, I'm forever indebted, so Lord, I owe you this reverence, and if I never get nothing, then let me get in your presence. I'm forever indebted, so Lord, I owe you this reverence, and if I never get nothing, then let me get in your presence. And for all those who aren't acquainted with the rap world, <laughs> I am forever indebted so Lord I owe you this reverence and if I never get nothing then let me get in your presence come on yeah brother that's what I'm talking about the plan for their life these guys life didn't involve being taken from their home away from their family from their friends from their culture being demasculated emasculated 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it definitely wasn't sure to be burned alive. Then he said, yes, sir. Oh, that's on my bucket list. I'll definitely do that, Lord. Thank you. Sign me up for that trip. Even though there are some idiots that have signed up for the trip to Mars and they know they won't come back. Just saying. God bless you people. All right. We are in the world, but we are not of it. And this picture is perfect for us right now. We're in the world. We ain't of it. But what God does in us as we wait is far more important than what we are waiting for. What He does in us as we wait thank you, Timer, is far more important than what we are waiting for. Now, I know you hear me, but do you hear me, church? I know you hear me, but are you listening, church? I know you hear me, but are you listening? It's way more important than what we're waiting for. Sometimes that looks like being delivered from the furnace. Sometimes it looks like being consumed by the flames. Either way, he gets us through or he takes us to. That's win-win. She's good. I've been looking forward to this part. Either way, church. It's win-win. <laughs> but what it shouldn't look like or doesn't look like is compromising to gain the world and lose your soul. A wise and good-looking preacher once said, Com- comfort brings complacency and complacency brings compromise. He's sitting in the front row in case you're wondering who that was. Are we ready to compromise? For to me to live in is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21. And it just happens to be on the 21 of the two, 21, I preached my first sermon to you, church. For me, that's big sign, man. That's God just going here. I love you too, mate. So, when the world's kings say bow down or be thrown in the fire, our king says, I put my life down and I'll meet you in the fire. I'll meet you in the fire. Not, hey, man, I'll wait for you on the other side. (laughs) <laughs> I'll go around the back No, nah, mate I'll meet you in the fire you ready to go in the fire with me that's what he's saying and they said yes how many of us are saying yes he heated the fire seven times hotter than what it, what it normally was pride mate he's like oh I'm going to burn you as if it's going to burn anymore you're going to burn anyway son you're just wasting gas bro you know what I mean and it would have been expensive in those days. <laughs> they didn't have mains and that. They were just running on wood. I don't know what they were doing. All right? Seven times hotter. Oh. And guess what you did in the process, brother? You killed your own men. Your best men. Because our sin affects others. And sometimes those closest to us, sometimes the best of those in our life. Ooh, that was, that was good. And then he finally said, I see four men walking in the fire, unbound. We only put in three. Boss, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Then who the heck is that fourth one? Where he looks like the Son of Man, the Son of God, greater than an angel. Most historians believe this was Jesus himself. He said, Yo, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out, bro. What you doing? This is pride again. You're calling people out the fire. You chuck them in, bro. Are you serious? He's like, hey, what you doing there? Come out here. How'd you do that? This guy has gone from raging anger to like, what is going on there? 
because this is the sign he needed that God knew he needed. Because the very next verse, he says, servants of the most high God come out. He's now acknowledging the most high. Then he says, they came out of the fire and they saw that the fire had not even harmed their bodies, not a hair of their heads singed. There were robes, not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Mate, I cooked the barbecue last night. I singed all the hair on my arms. I've been to campfires in the hills. I smell like that smoke for weeks. These guys don't even smell of it. Could you imagine these three coming out that fire? This is how I picture it. What? What? Yeah? I've been like, what you call me? That's Azariah to you, son. Call me a man to go again, son. Watch what happens. Can you imagine that picture? That's like the end of a Hollywood movie. Whoa. He has the audacity to call them out. We need to remember here, what the enemy tries to use to burn us, God uses to refine us. In the fire, like gold and silver, it needs very hot fire. Well, we're more precious than gold and silver. So we need hotter fire. I want to be tried by fire, purified. Lord, I give you whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. Not his part of my life, Lord. Do whatever you want to that part. Oh, here, take this part. Oh, my life. It's easy to say, man. I know. The furnaces of life, especially the furnaces of persecution, they're not fun. But they are always good for us. And church, we're about to, we're about to step in a season, whether you know it or not, of persecution. And it might not be like we see in China or other parts of the Arab world, but we're going to face something. And I don't know about you, but there's a story one of my good friends tells us. She says her son came home from school one day so happy, like over the top happy. And she's like, oh, baby, what what happened? She's like, mom, I got persecuted today. She's like, that's how we need to be. He knows. He's like, yeah, refine me, Lord. I don't get refined in my comfort zone. I get refined out there through the persecution, through the fire. That's how we need to be, like the joy of that child. When the Lord has sent you through a small furnace and seen the results, then down the road, He'll send you through a greater furnace because He knows the results. Stop trying to avoid the fire and start going, okay, God, I'm ready for the little one. They didn't chuck these guys into the fire from the very beginning. They had 20 years, man. They had all these little fires. Little ooh, ah, ee, ah. Then when they were ready with the ooh, ah, ee, ah, they went to the oh, snap. Because if he chucks you in the oh, snap from the beginning, you're not ready. You're not equipped. He knows that you're going to just burn. He knows that. Then Nebuchadnezzar finally said, praise be to the God. And he should have said, Azariah, Hananiah, Mishael, right? I just got confused there. He goes, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come on, bro. You just saw him walk out of fire. You better call them by their real name, son. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other God except their own. Are we ready to do that? He goes, I decree, this is where pride slips its little head back in. Very careful. I decree, I decree. Now it's back to him. I decree that any nation or people or language who say anything against this God will be cut into pieces and their houses will be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in that way. Then he promoted them. He's gone back to him. And we'll see that again in the next chapter. He's gone back to him again. Praise, but me again. When we become self-focused on our own agenda and our own glory instead of God's, we find ourselves in a spin cycle, man, it, on repeat, on repeat. Then we go, why, why? How'd we get back here? Bro, you're doing the same thing, expecting a different result. That ain't gonna happen. What he prevented in his power, he permitted in his wisdom. And if he didn't permit that in his wisdom, Nebuchadnezzar would never have come to him and acknowledged him and serve him. I wonder how many others came to faith after they saw this. Could you imagine? It's crazy. 
So we're called as believers to learn from this example. We're called to surrender daily, not weekly, daily. Because we're not it, God is. We are called to live for Him and we'll find a fulfillment that can never be found by living for ourselves. And trust me, I have lived both ways and only one way worked and that's God's way. Band, you can come up. Had practice in the first one. <laughs> Greater is He who is in you then is, is in the world. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Really? Romans 12.2 is my favourite. It's my go-to verse. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I add a little bit in there. Sorry, Lord. I add daily. The renewing of your mind Daily. So you can test God's will, His good, perfect, and pleasing will. Test it. He's okay. He's not going to get hurt that you're testing His will. Again, don't close your eyes and cross the road. That's not what we're saying. Test it daily. Is this from you, Lord? Is this of you, Lord? Is this for you, Lord? I want to encourage us all today. Bring what you have to the fire. All of what you have to the fire. And let God meet you there. Let Him bring you through it and let Him build your faith through the fire. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank You so much. Thank You for this privilege. Five years ago, I never would have thought in a million years I'd be up here doing this. <laughs> it's all you. <laughs> I love You so much. I just pray for our hearts, Lord pray that you strengthen us, that you equip us through the fire, that you give us the tools to equip others, Lord. May we not keep your love and grace and wisdom to ourselves. May we be empty vessels that come to you each day to be poured into your spirit. Fill us, Lord. Refine us in your fire. Know that we are in your hands. We are not called for a life of comfort, Lord. We're called for a life of conviction. And with that conviction, we will never compromise. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.